Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is July the 21st. It is Friday. It's been a wacky, wild week. There's been a number of very important congressional hearings. Uh, whether they do anything is another animal, but I think they were of interest, and we're going to talk about all those. We've got my buddy, Real Steve Friend, on here. He's already interacting in the chat. So those of you who have been asking, are we going to do Friendly Friday? We are going to do Friendly Friday 100%. And as many of you know, I heard some people in the chat saying that this is Casey's theme. It is Casey's theme. My brother, Casey, very talented. And then you may not know this, but the uh, the voice that actually introduces me each time, that's actually my dad. So that's kind of fun. This is a family show. We're going to be talking about some things that are not very family friendly, only because the left doesn't like families. They don't like reproduction. They don't like you, most likely. Let's uh, let's talk to our sponsors real quick. I, I want to do something different. What I've often done is uh, tell you about Catholic Vote, which are fantastic. Check this out here. I've got my Catholic Vote mug. I actually told them, I don't like the mug you sent me. It's written on the wrong side. And they sent me another mug. Uh, with Catholic vote written in all black and white, which is great. I'm going to read from the loop today. I'm going to give you a couple of just tastes of what's on the loop. I think it's one of the best, one of the best emails you could actually get every day. And I actually mean that. Like, it's not just that they're taking care of us. They they actually have a really good product here. So go to catholicvote.org, enter your email address, and this is what you'll get at about 5 a.m. every day. So this is for Friday, July 21st. It says DeSantis urges senators to back Tommy Tuberville. They're talking about uh, whether or not they're going to be funding hey, the military. Yes, we sir. don't see the Catholic vote screen. I'm not pulling we don't it up. See the I'm just reading. Screen. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm just reading it, folks. <laughs> I'm not showing you the inside of my email box, but this is in my email. Um, so he's talking about uh, funding abortion and abortion tourism and uh, making sure that we don't do that. There's another one here about the FBI <laughs> and the informant file on 1023. So that is something that Chuck Grassley released. We're going to be talking about that today. There's a discussion about the uh, the implosion of the attacks on uh, Justice Thomas. If those of you who have been following this, they're trying to smear Alito and Justice Thomas, Clarence Thomas, about supposedly money that they've gotten or donated. Uh, so that's interesting. There's a Christian designer who just had a Supreme Court decision that's been getting death threats. That's pretty interesting. There's a story about what's going on in Virginia schools and how they now empower parents to keep their kids out of transgender bathrooms. Really interesting. A piece about Jason Aldean and this uh, this hit country song that we brought up on Wednesday. Many of you saw that. Try that in a small town. Apparently that's caused a big backlash because they don't like BLM and Antifa riots. Go figure. And RFK censorship and more. A whole bunch of stuff that's actually in that particular email every morning, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, every single day of the week, you get in there and you're going to get good information. So check out catholicvote.org. I know that was a little bit long on our promo, but it actually is, is really good. It, it, if you're not out there checking this stuff out, you're, you're going to be sort of less informed. So if you're not actively curating your own news feed, Catholic Vote will give you something good. All right, folks. Um, let's bring on my buddy, Steve Friend. This is the real Steve Friend, author. He is a fellow at the Center for Newing America. He has a new background, as many of you can see here. They sent him a pop-up banner so that he can do it, and we're going to get him a better camera even. But we washed him out just a little bit less. He looks more like Steve and less like an alien. Somehow these cameras, man, there's something else, this audio-video game. I thought it was the Florida sunshine that I was just working on my tan too hard. I know you're but. tanner than that in real life. That's the thing. I think you're actually tanner than I am or you're redder than I am in real life. It's unavoidable, man. You go outside and you just melt, but it's fantastic for an iguana like me. I enjoy every minute of it. I weep a little bit in the wintertime when it drops to like 73. He starts moving slower. His runs are about a quarter mile, <laughs> quarter second off each mile. Um, how was your run this morning? Did you go run uh, a thousand miles this morning? 
Yeah, man, I knocked it out. Got my got my twelve miles in. I actually got stopped by a passerby, one of the my regular guys. I always do the head nod, and uh, he he actually stopped me. He was like, "Hey, were you running by the Home Depot the other day?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm on the same track every day." He didn't he didn't stop you and say, "Hey, are you the guy that's been uh, fighting the FBI and going in front of Congress?" He said, "Do you run in front of Home Depot?" That's right. I've been waiting on that. Like maybe because I'm in pretty pretty blood red area. And, uh, and I haven't been recognized. I got, but I'm kind of incognito. I have a nice ball cap on to kind of hold the sweat up off on my eyes and have and been flagged down, but mostly like, is it safe to run here? Or did I see you outside the hardware store? Are you, do you pack heat when you run? Do you carry? No, I can't, man. It would fall out of my pants. It would just like, it's, I sweat so much that they, uh, it would just, it, it might cause some corrosion to the, uh, to the firearm. That's what you do. So bit. That's it's just a tool. You can replace barrels. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you carrying on your runs. That's what I think needs to be. There needs to be a, an armed Steve friend doing 12 miles every morning in the dark in Florida. What do you, can we get you there? I, I would love to do that. I mean, it, what about I a chest got rig? Stopped. Can we get a chest? I rig? got. I have. I have a rig. Yeah. So I could probably make that happen. I got stopped by uh, local law enforcement because they said I violated the crosswalk violation and they they were going to cite me. That's that's the type of policing that goes on in my area. Tell them to send the CRA. Of, I, I'm really thinking about running for mayor just so I can fire the police chief for that. That seems reasonable. All right, what do you got going on? You've got you've been putting out a series of videos. People can follow you at Real Steve Friend on Twitter or at Real underscore Steve Friend to make it complicated on True Social. And your your uh, employer CRA has been putting out some videos interviewing you. I know people are going to want to see these. There are ten fixes for the FBI. What are, give people some highlights? Yeah, it's, it's kind of derivative for this policy proposal that we, we came out with a few months ago, and it's these top 10 systemic issues that are within the FBI, and we filmed some video shorts, and it'll be every Thursday at noontime, we're going to drop one of them. So yesterday was the first one, it's been pretty well received, and it was talking about the, the quota system that exists, uh, the integrated program management, that's sort of been the thing that I've been pushing out super hard, and get people to get an understanding of it in a digestible format. Uh, so every week you can look forward to, to something new. It's uh, I'm, I think I've looked through the first five of them and uh, none of them are more than about like two and a half minutes. So it's uh, not, not too much of a time commitment to actually learn some valuable information. So 10, 15 minutes worth of your time over a period of a couple of weeks, 10 weeks or so, and you can learn what Steve Friend thinks should be done at the FBI. Obviously, we all had some input on that. So that's fantastic. You are kind of a policy wonk guy. Do people know that you're an accountant? Do your, your employers know that you have that background? Uh, I try to keep that as quiet as possible because I don't want to be thrown into like budgetary stuff because it just, I feel like my eyes are going to roll over and, and I'm just going to die of boredom. But uh, it does, I think, give me the sort of uh, analytical mind that allows me to dig into other issues that I think are probably more interesting and more important and say, well, that doesn't make sense because, and, and then actually on the back end say, well, it'll actually save money because I, I actually did run the numbers uh, secretively because I didn't want you to assign that task to me. Nice. Very good. You did it. If, if you do it, it's not work. If they ask you to do it, it is work, right? Exactly. Which is why I say like, hey, if you get rid of all the special agents, that saves you 25% on uh, per salary. So <laughs> saying. Yeah, but then you have a bunch of Intel people like neutered Intel people. I don't know if that's any better. <laughs> All right. So um, this has just made me reflect on something. I think God puts us where we need to be. Oftentimes, you're exactly where you need to be. You have the right mind for the thing that you're doing. You went from guy who was refusing bad policy to guy who is now recommending good policy. You've made some recommendations about some line items that could be eliminated from the FBI. You want to talk to people a little bit about that? 
Yeah. Uh, so the House Freedom Caucus, uh, I think, has come to realize after the hearing that they had this week with the IRS whistleblower that kind of went nowhere. And we could probably get into that catastrophic failure from the GOP. I think we should probably dig into that a little more. Uh, and then the, the, there's really just been no fallout even since Garrett and Marcus and I went there. And, you know, we had our, our few hours there to get reamed by the Democrats and have the Republicans say, oh, you guys are heroes of the Republic. And then what? What actually happened? And hopefully this this group of 20 that held out with the McCarthy speakership that tried to get a coalition style government uh, has come to the realiza realization that they need to use the budget process to bring the FBI to heel. So they came yesterday, uh, some conversation with Chip Roy about what the uh, what they can actually argue for with the September budget debate to zero out defund from the FBI, like meaningful actual things that can impact the agency. Uh, and I know there's a temptation to go for like the low hanging fruit. Like I, I was saying like, we should just remove Chris Ray's protective detail because he's not that important. And if he thinks that he is, then we have a ego problem that we need to address. Well, nobody uh, even recognizes Chris Ray anywhere, despite <laughs> what the FBI employees may think that doesn't happen when he goes out in public. Yeah. So I, so they actually want to come up with like a top five list. So I, I came up with more than that. So like they could, you know, pick uh, some, whatever that would, get to their fancy, uh, what they think they can argue for, um, and then submitted it to, and I, I sent it to you last night. And I think there's some some good good eating in there if you want to go through a few of them. Um, obviously, I touched on like that that quota system, that integrated program management. That's been my my big bugaboo, and George Hills as well, because I think that it sort of inset, it, it creates that perverse incentive where the FBI as a law enforcement agency is trying to bring crime numbers up as opposed to bringing them down, and that's just not what you're supposed to do if you're in a situation where you know you're upholding the law you would think let, let me let me have you dig into just that one i don't have the uh, graphic up and and i think that we're gonna let the uh, the members of congress do what they do rather than advertising something that they're not ready to do yet we'll we'll see it when it comes out and then you can take all the credit and i'll let you come back on and talk about it more let's just dig into the the metrics thing i think if we pound the same drum over and over again for people that we can share these things and we'll try to share this as a clip even because it is so important. They are perversely incentivized. Go ahead and just like dig into that 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 topic maybe and expound upon it. I know you've got some pretty good metaphors. Yeah, I mean, and then this is what the, the first week's video was from CRA. So it's it's probably uh, apropos. Uh, integrated program management. It's uh, very McKinsey consulting style. It's the ticket quota for the traffic cop. The FBI establishes it. It's a negotiation between the field and headquarters every single year where they prioritize what they deem to be the threats that need to be addressed and how many resources and man hours need to get thrown towards that and devoted towards it. And then they set goals for themselves. So it's how many cases are we going to open over this particular violation if it's number of white collar cases or public corruption cases or domestic terrorism cases, the number of arrests that we have to get and achieve. And we're, then we're going to invent certain categories like disruptions. I know you've talked about like the, the 600 domestic terrorism disruptions that they only got 397 for the year. Uh, but that's a con completely contrived and arbitrary number that they invented for themselves to pat themselves on the back as saying, hey, look how awesome that we are. Yeah, made up um, word, because what is a disruption anyway, other than some arbitrarily defined word? It doesn't necessarily mean an arrest. It doesn't necessarily mean that there was actually something that was going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and the way that they set the rules up for that is, is ridiculous. I mean, I had 
uh, really the only big public corruption case I ever worked involved nine subjects. And I was told to issue the summons to each one of them on a different day so I could claim nine disruptions. But if I issued summons to all of them on the same day, I could only claim one disruption because the rules state you could only claim one disruption per calendar day. Yeah, so important. Um, we'll say thanks to, uh, we've got a, a $50 rumble ran here from Real is Rare. Thanks so much. Looks like prayers to both of us. I can appreciate that. Thanks so much, Real is Rare. Uh, not not required by any means, but I'll always appreciate it if uh, you want to put your message out there. It sounds like Ryan's got the the ability to toss it up on the screen. So thanks, Ryan. Um, Steve, I've got something. We, we, we had an experience. We did a live stream uh, earlier this week. We live streamed a pretty long hearing. You, you gave most of your day to that, which I think is the only way that you and I are going to be able to sit through a uh, six-hour hearing. Sitting by yourself is tough, uh, but we had a kind of an, ex an experience. This this particular episode that we're doing today is called The Trouble with Censorship, and we had kind of an experience of that. You want to tell people so I don't have to toot my own horn about uh, getting on the radar? Yeah, we, we were going to do the Suspendables Mystery Science Theater for congressional hearings where we uh, commented on this hearing that they had with the IRS whistleblowers were uh, Gary Shapley and uh, whistleblower X was Mr. Ziegler. Yep. He came out. who's was kind of, a, kind of a badass. I, I mean, I agree. We, he was like he was like MJ in the fourth quarter, demanding the ball. Like jumped in and answered questions that weren't even addressed to him. Which respect. Um, yeah, I think this is the thing. I mean, he's actually setting the precedent. It's the way the Democrats actually do these things. They go on the attack. They get after it. They share the points that they intended to share. And he was really, really good about that. I, like I said, Joseph Ziegler, a total bro. He's a, a, apparently a Democrat married to a man. So take that for what it's worth. And uh, and it had nothing to do with the way that he did his job. And that's. Those are the kind of people that I signed up to work with, guys like you, guys like him. It doesn't matter what their political persuasion was, thank God. But uh, yeah, like you say, total bro. Yeah, so I mean, and we and we, we need to talk about the hearing in general, but for the, what we experienced was this live stream that you guys put out um, across all different platforms to hopefully an audience. It's, uh, you know, it's a public hearing. It's using taxpayer dollars to put this out. Obviously, it's uh, it's necessary as a citizen to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, the fact that it was on YouTube and it was you who was doing the live stream, uh, I think, uh, got the sensors that they are kind of spun up and they took down your, your channel, gave you a strike and said it was, I guess, like a copyright infringement. Right. Uh, so I guess public information is now proprietary and you can't share it. Well, they, they reneged. That's the best part because I told them, Hey, I'm a congressional whistleblower and I look forward to them listing you as a uh, publisher instead of a platform. And, uh, magically the strike has been removed. Uh, for a small YouTube channel with 1,500 people on it. Uh, I'm not going to keep you all day. I have one little segment. I've got a special surprise for you. It's something I think you're going to really appreciate, and I'm going to need your reaction to. If we can cue up the Hot Dog Day video, Ryan, let's get uh, let's get our friend Steve to, to take his pick on this. Well, as you all know, today is National Hot Dog Day, and uh, perhaps you also know that hot dog is my favorite meat. I love hot dogs. Uh, I love them in buns. I love them outside of buns. I love them with baked beans. I just like hot dogs. It's the best, you know, best meat there is without question. So to all of you who like me are celebrating a national hot dog day, uh, congratulations to you. And may there be many, many more hot dogs served in our wonderful land. Okay, for people that are watching on the Rumble channel, you just saw something incredible. But for those of you that are listening on the audio show afterwards, that was Mitt Romney, the senator from Utah, wearing a hat with an embroidered hot dog on it, carrying a hot dog that was uneaten with some very theatrical ketchup on it. And he was strolling down the halls somewhere in maybe the Rayburn building or some other, some office building. He's strolling around with a visible mic'd up uh, lapel mic or lav mic 
and is possibly the most awkward human being holding an octog. So what do you think of that uh, Dr. Seuss hot dogs sort of uh, Sam I am routine? And do you think he ever ate that thing? Oh, would he eat them on a lake? Would he eat them with, with a, a rake? <laughs> you know, he, this is a guy who, do you remember when he was running for president and he wouldn't eat the Chick-fil-A sandwich? And right. that, that was, it was the easiest ground ball. You just, you know, look like you're one of the people and he was so stuck up. And this is the exact opposite of that, where he's, he's trying to learn that lesson. Everybody um, knows that Mitt Romney's favorite meats is uh, hot dog meats. favorite meat. When I eat meats, I eat hot dog meats because I love it in a bun. I love it with my hun. I love it with the sun. I just want to eat hot dog meats all day long with baked beans, with a fox in a box. He doesn't, he speaks a different language. He who, lives who in a different world. Who that video? Which, which brilliant at, like, does he have thousand year old PR people? Cause Ryan and I were talking about this before the show. Are his PR people a thousand years old and have never met a human being? They just live on a mountaintop somewhere. They're like hermits. Or is it like a 17 year old who's like, we need to make you relatable. Let's have you hold a cartoon hot dog with the hot dog hat. You notice he said hat instead of hot dog at one time, because he's not used to wearing hats. Ryan's dying over there. <laughs> He has such a negative. I can't help myself, this, man. This is, you know, I, I heard this comparison made. They said nobody hates the Republican voter base. Uh, well, the, the Democrats hate the Republican voter base. Sure. But the, the, the elected Republicans hate them way more because they have to seek their votes. And this is the perfect example of this guy is, these, this is what they probably eat. I have to seem relatable to them. He, and it's like this guy who's on spring break vacation in Cancun and took Spanish one in high school. It's what and it he is. thinks that he can abla. Yeah, he's trying to abla. He's trying to do the how do you do patriots. Like, I also enjoy meats made of hot Nitrates. dogs. <laughs> it's so awkward. It's so uncomfortable to watch. Uh, easily the weirdest thing. I just wanted to leave on a high note because that's uh, that's about the best news that we have is that Mitt Romney um, pretending to be a human being, pretending to be a relatable guy. If anybody thinks that guy doesn't just eat steak all the time or whatever else he eats, just Dr. strange. Orange. And, and let me say this. If you are someone who lives in Utah and you voted for Mitt Romney, please put in the comments why you like Mitt Romney. I got questions. I have concerns. I would like to know what is it about Mitt Romney you love? And especially if you are Mormon, if you're an LDS person who voted for him because he's also LDS, what is the benefit of a Mitt Romney in the Senate? to you. I just want to know if there's something there so I can understand it. Cause man, I cannot, like everybody I've ever met from Utah would headbutt that guy and knock him out. Agreed. I mean, but I guess they would argue the alternative is, uh, Evan McMuffin, Evan right? McMuffin. That, that was the Evan McMullen. He was the third yep. party candidate who just, it was just the CIA plant. Like you want right. to talk about like deep state plant. I know it. So somebody, somebody in Utah that wants to run, let me know. And we'll, Steve and I will come and campaign for you. We'll help or I'll get Garrett out there and we'll get George and we'll just sell it. We, we need to fix this. This is so gross and weird. I need less fake hot dog eating guys walking through the hallways. Uh, Steve, I appreciate you joining me for this little segment of friendly Friday. We'll do it again every Friday as possible and, and do the updates folks follow Steve. How's your book sales, by the way, outstanding still. Yeah, still going good, man. Uh, I'm doing some live events here uh, and they were telling me there's going to have like 600 people there. So my hand might fall off uh, when I go do that. You have your own special pens though, to write it. So thank God. For I got to get the, the president pen that automatically does the signing mm. for you. 
Yeah. Yeah. The AI pen. That's what we need. Yes. I, <laughs> hey, I, I know Kyle's our friend. He, he, he's all about the high tech stuff. You I can am probably about high tech. I will find that if that pen exists, we will get the self-signing pen for you. Steve, <laughs> thanks for coming on today. Uh, folks follow Steve at real Steve friend on Twitter and real underscore Steve friend on true social. Thanks bud. We'll uh, catch you again later on this week or next week. All right. Okay, folks, so we're going to dive into some of these things. This has been a gross week for a lot of things. Like I said, uh, the Catholic loop vote has given me some some insight. The first story that they had, and that's actually where we're going to go first. Ryan, if we can bring up the, the first story here. This is the sacred obligation of the federal government. Many of you may be familiar with the sacred obligation. And the obligation is we need to promote abortion. Um, I think we actually have a video of John Kirby. Let me set this up. John Kirby is the national security spokesperson He's at the White House, oftentimes giving press conferences, and he's been one of the most vocal supporters. Uh, obviously, if you are a spokesperson, that is your job to defend the agency, defend the administration that you're part of. But I feel like this is just a step too far. We want to talk about lizard people and, and fake hot dog eaters. This is another one of those moments. Let's drop that video clip of John Kirby talking. You just tell me if that sounds like a real person to you, folks. Why is the new DOD policy on abortion critical to military readiness? I'm really glad you asked that question. No, I mean, I really am. One in five members of the U.S. military are women, 20%. We're an all-volunteer force. Nobody's forcing you to sign up and go. People volunteer to go. You raise your right hand and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for a few years or even for my life. And it might cost me my life to do it. And when you sign up and you make that contract, you have every right to expect that the organization, in this case, the military, is gonna take care of you and they're gonna take care of your families. And they're gonna make sure that you can serve with dignity and respect, no matter who you are, who you love, uh, or, uh, or how you worship or don't. And, um, and our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about Female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. Uh, that is a foundational, sacred obligation of military leaders across the river. Uh, I've seen it myself, and it matters because it says we're invested in you because you are being willing to invest in us. You're investing your life, your family's livelihood with us. We owe you that back in return. I had a chance a couple of weeks ago to meet with some military spouses here at the White House. Um, some were active duty members, some were spouses, all were women. And 201, they told me, uh, that abortion laws in this country that are now being passed are absolutely having an effect on their willingness to continue serving in uniform or to encourage or discourage, in this case, their spouses from continuing service. Okay, so there you go. It is a sacred right. And then here's the other thing. Um, I always tell my father-in-law kind of jokingly that when he wakes up and his head hurts, that uh, that migraine that he uh, awakes with is sort of the sound of cognitive dissonance. Those are his thoughts that don't agree with themselves that are banging into his head. If you're a Democrat right now and you believe that men can be women and women can be men, that there is an interchangeability of the biological sexes, and then you're also going to tell me that it's really important that biological women have access to abortion when they join up to the military or that their spouses do, that we have an obligation to kill, I guess, military spouses, babies, that they haven't invented birth control in some way, shape, or form, that they can't figure out how to keep their, you know, their, uh, we know how babies are made. Let's just leave it at that. We know how babies are made. It's 2023. The science is settled. 
there's a there's a technique that you can use and you can pretty much assuredly know that if it's done correctly a baby is the result that is the eventuality of it if you do it enough times right and so when that's the case this guy out here talking about oh i talked to women and you know they were women how do you know they were women my friend how in the world do you know that's the sound of cognitive dissonance. That's the headache that he must have. That's a great, uh, if you're looking at our Rumble channel, you're seeing this very uncomfortable smile. It has to be the discomfort of dealing with the headache, the cognitive dissonance. Um, and, and this all does actually relate to censorship. You're going to see why. Because this is the message that they wa want you to hear. They're putting out this crazy nonsense about how women, you know, military spouses need abortions, that the government has a sacred obligation. These are the words of religion. We're going to come back to that, so keep that in your head. The words of religion, the sacred requirement to go ahead and kill babies. This is their religion. And then, meanwhile, we have this uh, this nonsensical piece of you know defining what a woman is, which they can't do. And since we're talking about women, and since we're talking about that, our, uh, Ryan, if you'll bring up our next article here, this is what I'm calling trans in uniform. So there's a confidential memo that was released. This came out in February, but it actually was just released on the 18th, so that would have been earlier this week. Confidential Biden memo reveals, quote-unquote, transgender service members can skip deployments and receive indefinite, phys uh, uh, what is it called, uh, physical fitness standard waivers. So they can get out of, like, their their uniform standards, and they can get out of their PT readiness standards and skip deployments under the, uh, the banner of being a transgender person. If you want to just kind of scroll that memo, uh, I know we've got a kind of a slide deck of it. Folks, I'm going to kind of show you just a couple of pieces of this memo. They're going to just be kind of dancing through the screen here. But essentially, I'm going to read through it for you. This is from the Defense Health Agency. This is at Womack Army Medical Center at Fort Bragg. And this was written in February of 23. Basically, it just tells you sort of who it's for. The purpose is to establish uniform guidelines regarding the medical and mental health of service members who identify as transgender. And so we've got a couple of, you know, we want to show you kind of the receipts of it, but moreover, I'm just going to kind of hit the high points for you. We're talking about uh, sources that reference things like the World Professional Association for Transgender Health is one of the uh, the reference standards that they have, as well as some DOD pieces and some regulations from the Army about uh, physical fitness and mental health standards and, and medical standards. The other thing that's really interesting is they have a, a explanation of terms and definitions. And I found this to be very interesting. It says transgender, TG, is a person whose gender identity and expression are different from the cultural and social expectations of the sex, which they were designated with at birth. One, males identifying as female is a transgender female. Females identifying as males are transgender males. Now, many of us have heard these terms. I know that if you have to go back and try to figure out what it means, the gobbledygook nature of these things is, in fact, the tip-off. And it's more important... There's a little piece in this actual um, in this document, which I actually had on the screen just a second ago, that shows you that the DEERS system, which is the uh, the defense sort of readiness for all these different, uh, um, it's a technical background of their of their um, human resources stuff. It actually states, and I'm going to pull it up here in one second. It says uh, <laughs> that there are only two biological sexes that are accepted by the Department of the Army, and yet we have to make all this nonsense so that we can kind of dance around this. It says, uh, I'm trying to find the exact quote here, if you'll give me just one moment. The overarching goal here is that transgender service members provide a safe and effective pathway for a lasting personal comfort. I didn't realize that the military was about personal comfort. They also highlight that there's, in fact, some, uh, some uh, potential problems with being transgender because there's obviously side effects to doing these transgender hormone treatments. And so when you get into the background that we are actually going to reduce military readiness, the only purpose of the military is essentially to break things and hurt feelings overseas. 
here's where you see this kind of funny little piece. It says, while it's understood that many transgender individuals identify as gender non-binary and or gender fluid, service members are required to choose a Deer's gender marker of male or female, and that is not meant to misgender or disrespect that service member's gender identity. However, the current medical and army system views gender as a dichotomous variable. I want to say that again. The current medical and army system views gender as a dichotomous variable. There are only two options, male and female, and the army actually knows it because the army is in fact one of those groups that uh, is involved in sort of the hard reality of humanity, which is that sometimes there is violence and sometimes we have to get involved in things that are unpleasant. And yet they're going to play along with the charade. It should hurt your mind. It certainly is hurting the minds of the people that wrote this stuff. And it is part of this, this overall push to do things that make no sense, to make you doubt your own lying eyes. We're going to bring up the next article here, which is a uh, an actual bill in front of Congress. Uh, Fox News covered it a little bit. We can talk about that in a second. But essentially, there are Democrats that are trying to introduce an amendment to the Code for the Marriage Equality Act of 2021. And they are trying to amend replacing references to wife and husband with spouse, genderless. They're trying to get rid of um, married couples, from to married persons instead of saying things like husband or wife. They want to make sure that they are removing the gendered language from the federal law because this federal government uh, under Democrat control is trying to actually legislate a genderless society, even though it makes no sense because they're out there putting their spokesperson in a place to, to advocate on behalf of the sacred right of abortion, which can only affect women. All of this stuff should blow your mind. And then it says there's currently penalties uh, for persons who threaten to kill, kidnap, or inflict bodily harm on the former president's wife. I don't know why they want to update that. They wanted to say former president's spouse or surviving spouse because, you know, it's possible that that spouse is a non-binary. Isn't that right, Ryan? They could be a non-binary spouse of the president. I don't know what that thing is. Ryan says yes. Folks, if you're watching this and you're enjoying what you're seeing, by the all, uh, we'd ask you to go ahead and hit that like button too on the uh, Rumble channel. And if you're listening online, you can always leave us a, a five-star review on any of the places that you're hearing it. So we're just going to a couple of shameless plugs. I want to continue marching on because the main topic that we are going to talk about today, and I did get here halfway into the show, is censorship. It's censorship of you and me and people that were known as the disinformation dozen. So what you're seeing on the screen right now is a Washington Post article. It's actually a smear job in some ways. It says the GOP bolsters Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in the hearing while Democrats tear him down. Got it. That's what it was. How about Robert F. Kennedy came in to speak about something, testify about his experience, and the Democrats basically went out there and took pot shots at him and called him a racist and said that he should be censored again while we're at a censorship hearing because that's the nature of the beast. I'm going to read a couple pieces of this. This is written by John Wagner. Um, I don't think this was written in good faith. It just says he's a member of a storied political family who's been making a long shot Democratic presidential bid. To be fair, I think his shot is as good as anybody if the system was 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 not uh, rigged against him, but it appears to be. Uh, he was bolstered by Republicans. Does this not blow anyone's mind? This is a lifelong Democrat from a Democrat family that has been in American history for 100 years. And he's bolstered by Republicans. Why is that? Because he's telling something that is obviously true and good for all Americans. He cites a history of espousing, oh, citing his history of espousing conspiracy theories and making racist and anti-Semitic uh, sentiments. It always comes down to those. You got to be racist and anti-Semitic if you're going to disagree with the Democrat policy, even though he said nothing to, uh, of, the, of the sort. Not even close. Okay. He's been banned by social media. So look what they're highlighting on this. Once again, it's not what the story is. It's how they present the story. They're presenting that he was banned by social media companies because he was spreading misinformation sorry, disinformation, we're going to get into that definition in a second, on vaccines. 
and he was a panelist that was invited on behalf of the Republicans. Why are Republicans having star witnesses that are Democrats, gay Democrats that are that are um, federal agents, and lifelong Democrats that are against a vaccine, one vaccine in particular, and against the anti-transparency sort of tactics that the government's been involved in? I think all of that should be concerned to pretty much everyone here, how this is actually going on. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that censorship is what is at stake here. They need to control the messaging. They need to control what goes into your mind. Otherwise, they are not going to be able to control that cognitive dissonance, that cognitive infrastructure that we talk about when we're um, when we're looking at these three terms of mis, dis, and malinformation. Can you bring up that little picture for me, if you would? What do you got there, Ryan? There it is. So, uh, I was going to say something, but go ahead. I'll come in after. Okay. So, folks, this is uh, from CISA's website. CISA is the uh, Cybersecurity uh, Infrastructure Security Agency. They have the word security in there more than once. And it says CISA defines mis, dis, and malinformation, or MDM. It's always got to have a sexy government acronym. I'm reading off it directly here, and you guys are seeing on the screen, as information activities. They put that in scare quotes. This type of content is referred to as either domestic or foreign influence, depending on where it originates. Let's just take a second and digest that piece. Mis, dis, and malinformation are information activities, okay? And they are either foreign and domestic. That's everybody. That's everything that you have ever heard. You are either foreign or domestic. That is a that is a twofold, that is a perfect dichotomy. Either you live in the United States or you don't live in the United States. You can't be neither one, Okay. So they're now talking about all information, but they said it in kind of a government-y way. Made you think that it was about something that was interesting. Now we're going to define these terms. Misinformation. It's false. But it's created. Um, I'm sorry, but it's not created or shared with the intent of ha causing harm. So misinformation is you got it wrong, but you didn't do it on purpose. And so it's dangerous because you are spreading false information on accident. Misinformation. These words are important because they are making the terms. So let's use them the way they did. Um, the next one, disinformation is deliberately meant to mislead, harm, or manipulate a person. It's also false. Disinformation is false, but it's intentional. So that's the combination there. Misinformation, false on accident. Disinformation, false on purpose with the intent to harm. Here's the last one, malinformation. And this is what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was accused of. Malinformation is based on fact. I want you to hear that again. Malinformation is true. Michael Schellenberger has done really good work on this. Matt Taibbi has done really good work on this. Malinformation is true, but it is used out of context. You know how the fat checkers work. It's out of context, and it's meant to mislead, harm, or manipulate by giving you true information that you're too stupid to understand. Unfortunately, Americans, you are too stupid to digest the information yourself. I saw someone on Twitter describe it this way. Chew the meat, spit out the fat. That's what's always happened when we talk about how news is consumed. There's always an editorial bias, but you're too dumb to understand it. You're not allowed to make those decisions. Luckily, we have a center, uh, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. The CISA people are going to help you out. And they're going to make sure that you don't get true information that you're too dumb to understand. And they're going to protect you from things that are false on accident and things that are false on purpose. So that's what you're paying for with your tax dollars. When they talk about cognitive infrastructure, and that's a term that Tracy Beans uh, helped bring to light. There's a guy named Name Redacted who's been doing some good reporting and sharing that on Twitter as well. In fact, has been quoted by Congress. So that should tell you that these people are at least giving really relevant information that you should have access to. Name 
and Tracy Beans are talking about your brain, the gray matter between your ears, are part of the infrastructure the government is claiming that they can police. And they do so under this term of MDM, mis, dis, and malinformation. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. I don't mean to repeat, but it's worth hearing this. You have to have this drummed into your head. So when you hear the words they're saying, you know what it is, what they're saying. Misinformation, accidentally wrong. Disinformation, intentionally wrong. Malinformation, which is the stuff they accused Robert F. Kennedy Jr. of. It's, it's correct, but we don't like it, and you can't handle it. Ryan, go ahead and interject while we pull up the next one here. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I want to get your thoughts on when we, I was watching Fox News last night and they were attacking Robert Kennedy. Uh, one of the Democrats on the five was actually attacking him and she kept going after him about his stance on vaccines, but not one person on that panel commented on the fact that what RFK was saying is saying, he was not saying all vaccines are bad. He's saying that we have no studies done on these vaccines. Correct. There is no research done. There's no placebo studies. And I think that that should be the attention or the focus of this, you know, RFK and vaccines. It should be all vaccines aren't bad, but let's at least get these things tested. Well, let's the key have is, placebo studies done. Yep. Let's get this man in his own words. Because we actually have, have some videos that are going to show him testifying to what his position are. Unfortunately, what we're seeing in these congressional hearings is that they are attacking the messenger, not the message. They are smearing the individual that is out there testifying because what they're saying is so damaging. And the and the damaging part is this, and it's why the uh, the thumbnail for today's video is malinformation. That's the real dangerous piece to them. Things that are true, but you're too dumb to understand, and they don't want you to be able to deal with it because they don't like the context. They need to shape the narrative. We have a narrative-driven, totally bizarre um, federal government, and then even their witness that came in from, I think, NBC, this woman would not answer a single question about whether the government should be in the business of policing speech in any way, shape, or form. So let's pull up the first RFK video, if you would. We're going to do about 50 seconds here. This is a short little take of RFK defending himself. Um, let's have it in his own words. If you've never heard of, uh, if you've never heard RFK speaking, he's kind of an acquired taste. We'll talk about that in just a second. But Ryan, if you'll queue up that video, it's uh, video number three. Third, uh, to suppress information, not uh, the, into fact, if you read the Twitter files and the email correspondence at uh, between Facebook and the White House, there was an acknowledgement that they were being asked and they were complying with censoring information that everybody knew to be true or highly likely to be true. Oh, the purpose, and in fact, the term misinformation did not denote uh, falsehood or, or veracity. Rather, it was a euphemism mm -hmm. for any information that departed from government orthodoxies. And so there you go. He's talking about exactly what we just said. Now, he's using the term misinformation, and uh, and they actually were falsely claiming that things were untrue because that was part of it. And the second piece of it was that they were claiming that things were actually true, but uh, but they were dangerous. So he's calling it misinformation. At some point, he actually does define this. So uh, and, and if you've never heard RFK speak, one of my buddies said that actually rules him out as a candidate for president because of the way that he speaks. He has a uh, he's got a condition. It's a neurological condition. It's generative. I had to look up the name of it again because I always forget it's spasmodic dyspnea. Um, dis, dysphonia, sorry, and and it is a an issue of the lyrics of the of the voice box. It's it's a you know it's a neurological condition. He's fine. He's not hurting. He hasn't screamed his voice out, although he could at this point because he's being censored in such weird ways. Um, RFK went in there and he's not afraid to come at these people aggressively, but they did attack him. They actually he was going to do a ten minute opening statement and they asked to censor it to five so that black people and uh, Jewish people and Asian people would not be offended. 
by his existence as he spoke, because he's obviously a racist anti-Semite. That's the only things they have. They attack the messenger. They don't attack the message. They they saw that his remarks were not even going to be a problem. They tried to argue that he was uh, anti-black for some reason because he was arguing that black people shouldn't get vaccinated. And of course, he pushed back and said, you know, I vaccinated up to everything, including um, all things that were recommended prior to COVID. And my children were all vaccinated the same way that almost everybody in that room was. And yet I have real problems with this because as he's become more educated and he tells a good story about it, you can actually read his book, The Real, um, I think it's The Real Anthony Fauci tells you some of this stuff. And he was on Tucker, so I won't belabor this point. Let's do the second video there. It's about another 90 seconds or so of him talking. I want you guys to get this guy in his own words because you're going to hear, depending on what news source you get, you're going to get different versions of it. This seemed like the most relevant pieces that we heard. Our country had the worst at one of the highest vaccination rates in the world and the worst health outcomes. We have 4.2% of the global population. We had 16% of the COVID deaths. Blacks in Haiti with a 1% vaccination rate were dying at a rate of 15 per million population. And same in Nigeria, had a 1.3 vaccination rate. They were dying at one in uh, 14 per million population. 14 per million population in our country, blacks were dying at 3,000 per million population, 200 times the death rates in other countries. And this holds throughout the world. We needed information. We should have all been sharing information openly and, and talking to the 15 million doctors through the internet who were treating patients on the front line all over the world and channeling the best therapies, the most successful treatments so that we can all figure it out. We, this is not a time in a pandemic to, uh, to, to, you know, I'll just say this one thing. Trusting the experts is not a function of science. It's not a function of democracy. It's a function of religion and totalitarianism, and it does not make for a healthier population. What did I just say? It's about religion. It's about the sacred obligation to offer abortions as the military, which has nothing to do with abortions or anything else. It's about believing that these experts, climate experts, gender experts, uh, vaccine experts, public health experts, those are the people that you must trust because the government has ordained it to be so. Those are the tenets of a religion. We're saying it on this program over and over again. I love that I'm hearing it from the other side of the aisle. And RFK is, you know, he's a, a guy that said he would be happy to sign a assault weapons ban. We don't have a lot of common cause, but we can agree on this. The American people should be entitled to see free information. They do not need to be censored by the government. They do not need to have the government curate the data that goes in between their ears and police that cognitive infrastructure. It's not necessary. That is not the type of world that we should be living in. And if you can think about this, I want you to just picture, close your eyes if you like, think about a single regime in history that has censored information from their population, will not allow people to know certain things. Picture that. Are any of those regimes the good guys, historically speaking? Are they on the side of truth? Are they on the side of democratic process? Are they on the side of free exercise of religion or free exercise of speech or thought? The mere act that you're getting involved in censorship, which is in fact the problem, this is the First Amendment for a reason in our Bill of Rights. It is a violation of the constitutional oath that every service member and every member of the federal government that swears in and says that they will protect the Constitution, that's what they're supposed to abide by. It's so simple. When you swear in and raise your hand, I've said this a couple of times on other programs, but I'll say it on mine now as well. When you swear in and say that you will protect and defend the Constitution, 
you're not necessarily saying that you're going to protect the uh, the Article One powers of Congress. You're not saying that you're going to protect the Article Two powers of the presidency, of the executive branch, or the Article Three powers of the judiciary, although those things are part of it. What you're really saying, in my opinion, and I could be I can be open to being criticized on this, but when you swear in, particularly in federal law enforcement, which was what I did, you're saying that you're going to protect the Bill of Rights. The government is an organizational document. The, uh, the, the Constitution is an organizational document. And then secondarily, it is a leash on those powers of the federal government to get involved in your business. They have no business policing what's between your ears. They have no business telling you how to think or shaping what you think by letting you have only certain information that is quote unquote approved. That is not the job of the government. And historically, what they used to call the fourth estate, which is the press, was out there to hold the powerful accountable. They were actually running up until very, very recently, as hard as they could to find all the stories that would embarrass the official position because that was how you made your bones as a journalist. You were able to out the powerful and those who were trying to keep information away from the public by sharing it. That was the highest cause. And so that's why journalists were always blue collar. That's why we brought on guys like Frankie and we brought on guys like Sean the other day. And we'll bring on more. The reason that we want journalists that are blue collar, that are regular people that didn't go to elite either journalist schools or elite Ivy League schools is because those people are part of the same group think. They're no longer bastions of independent thought. They are being censored in the same way. And a lot of that's because there's federal dollars involved. Think about how much money goes in. We just had a, um, our, our young friend Daniel Schmidt come in from the University of Chicago. And he was talking about how there are actually billions of dollars in, in endowment. And the, the, the amount of money that that school has is significant. And yet, people are still paying a huge amount of money that they're borrowing from the federal government for the most part. And Joe Biden is actually trying to forgive. Pretty shocking stuff. RFK is spot on with this stuff, you know. Um, and then I'm going to read another piece of the article over here, if you would. This is still from the Washington Post. I want you to actually hear how ridiculous this thing is. So one of the things that he says is, uh, it says, the Democrats cited several past statements by Kennedy, that's RFK, including an episode in early 2022 in which he invoked Anne Frank to su suggest that Jews had more freedoms during the Holocaust than Americans who were choosing not to get vaccinated. It's probably an overstep, but I think hyperbole is appropriate in political speech. Uh, and then it says Anne Frank died in a Nazi concentration camp after hiding with her family in a secret annex in Amsterdam for over two years. He apologized for the statement. Here's really the funniest part, because we just talked about the male-female sort of uh, delineation. Look at this. Uh, Debbie, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, many of you will know her as Ramen Noodle Hair from watching our live stream. Ramen Noodle Hair, the, uh, the, Repub or the Democrat from Florida, uh, said said something and asked him if he stood by his statement. And he said, Congressman, what you're saying is a lie. <laughs> and she said, I'm a congresswoman. Well, how do we know, congresswoman? How would we even know when you've tried to get rid of the distinction? How about congressperson? You're a congressperson is what she should have said because we're trying to get rid of gender. Her colleagues are trying to get rid of gender. I just think that stuff's very funny. Um, he said, if the views that you and others have applied to me and have been attributed to me were actually true, then I could see why I wouldn't be able to testify here. But those things are not the case. That is not the case. He's not actually saying those things. What he's doing is he's freaking them out because he's just simply saying we should have access to some information about vaccines. We should have access to the, the, the entire purpose that the FDA actually exists. And it exists for one reason alone. It exists to make sure that food and drugs in this country are properly tested and that we're not backing corporate interest in favor of putting out dangerous medicines and dangerous food products. Very easy. That's what the FDA's purpose is. It doesn't do that anymore. 
but that's what it's supposed to do. Ryan, we've got another video. I think this is video number five. Let's play it. This was uh, another probably 90 seconds or so. Like I said, I want to give you guys pieces from the guy's own words. So let's hear Robert F. Kennedy say- We had looked for many years to find a uh, pre-licensing safety trial of any of the 72 vaccines doses that are now essentially mandated. They're recommended, but that's effectively mandated for American children. And we have not been able to find any. And uh, and every other medication requires prior to licensing by FDA at the company perform a safety trial that compares health outcomes in placebo in a placebo group and a similarly situated vaccine group. Uh, my assumption was that was done for vaccines. We found out that it hadn't been, that it was not, it was, they were exempt. And uh, I made that statement publicly. Dr. Fauci contradicted me. And when President Trump ordered him to meet with me, him and, uh, and Francis Collins and a group of my colleagues, I said to them at that time, you've said publicly that I've been dishonest about that. Can you show us? a single pre-licensing safety trial, placebo-controlled safety trial for any of the 72 vaccines required for American children. And he made that show of looking through a file and he said, well, they're back in Bethesda. And I said, will you send them to me? And I never heard from him again. So we sued the HHS under the Freedom of Information Law after a year of litigation. They sent us a letter which is posted on CHD's website and acknowledges that they are now not able to locate a single pre-licensing safety trial placebo control for any of the vaccines that are now mandated for children. These are zero liability vaccines. So under Reagan, the liability for any kind of failures, the VARS, uh, you know, data set is all basically a post-Reagan phenomenon because they remove the ability to sue if you get these vaccines. And that's why they're so profitable, because they're liability-free. That's what RFK has actually been going out and crusading against. He's not saying they shouldn't exist. He's not saying that you shouldn't use medicine. What he's saying is, very specifically, that you should have medicine that is approved under the type of laws and, and government agencies that exist for their own purpose, which is to, to put out safe, products that have been tested. It's expensive. It's unpleasant. That's why American drugs cost more than anybody else, because we believe in safety here, that we don't believe that you should just be able to take snake oil. And it comes out of a long tradition of people doing cons in the American West, in the uh, developing part of America. People thought, Would, wouldn't it be nice if we could actually stand by and say that these things are good? And here's the test. The tests do not exist, apparently, for vaccines. I think RFK is um, likely, I think he's being an honest operator in this stuff. He's testifying under penalty of perjury. And that's the thing you have to realize. And he's a big enough figure that they would actually come after him for that sort of thing. So let's take him at face value for what that is. Why can't they produce those studies? This was brought up on Dan Bongino's show uh, maybe two weeks ago, but it's worth continuing to bring this thing up. And he just testified saying exactly the same thing. So I want you guys to be aware of that. Now, all of that is to say um, censorship is a big problem. It is a, an issue for all of us. And... Um, when they are curating the information, they are changing actual real results. If we can bring up the uh, topic five, which was the the laptop, it was always real. Those of you who watched our live stream found out this. You'll see there's a, a picture here if you're watching the stream showing uh, Joseph Ziegler. He's the, the IRS special agent that ran that investigation. Like I said, looked like a total bro. Uh, I would absolutely work with that guy every day of the week. He sounds honest, credible, and he's incredibly on point. And the fact of the matter is, is that testimony has revealed, and there's actually been some subsequent documentation that's come out to show the thing that we all knew was true. 
And we've known it since 2020, since before the election of 2020. But apparently the FBI knew it a lot earlier. And there's some credible information that's coming out now in the New York Post saying that there was actually uh, four days after this this laptop went public, they were, you know, they were doing the so-called like hack and dump operation, telling that uh, the people at social media that this was going to be Russian disinformation. They actually told them it was true. And so the New York Post was censored from Twitter. The story was repressed dramatically for two days as it broke because the FBI lied and told people that we weren't going to comment on something they knew was true. And that should be a problem. Let's play the video. Uh, this is Elise Stefanik from New York questioning uh, Emma Jo Morris, who was the actual uh, editor at the New York Post at the time that the so-called laptop from Hell Story came out. You got the uh, video number two, I believe. Isn't it true that your October 2020 Hunter Biden laptop from Hell Story has proven to be 100% factually accurate? I was 27 when I published that story. It better have been. Isn't it true that the FBI obtained Hunter Biden's laptop a full 10 months before your story broke? That's correct, according to the subpoena that I published. Isn't it also true that we now know that the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force coerced social media companies into an alleged forthcoming Russian, quote, hack and leak operation, and as a result, illegally censored the Hunter Biden laptop story? Isn't that true? Yes. And this forced censorship by government agencies like the FBI was paid for by the taxpayer since the taxpayers fund the FBI. Isn't that true? Yes. And Hunter Biden's laptop from hell, it has everything. It's a hellhole and cesspool of corruption and criminal conduct. It has hard drugs, prostitution, pornography, money laundering. It has Biden family shell companies, communist Chinese, corrupt foreign government deals from tens of millions of dollars in exchange for access to the Biden family. The Hunter Biden laptop from hell has all of this, correct? Yeah. And the American people are smart. They know that this was not a hack and dump. This was illegal government censorship to protect and prop up Joe Biden on the eve of the 2020 election. And according to. There it is. OK, there we have it. Can I, can I jump in and say something in there, Kyle? Please. It was funny. She, you could hear her demeanor on how she was responding to these questions. It was almost like, are you serious? Are we really going to ask these pointless questions that everybody knows the answer to? She was almost like she was cynical about it. Well, she's young. I think she's got that kind of going for her. But now she's the, uh, the editor over at Breitbart for their politics uh, desk. And yeah, it's shocking. But here's the thing. And I've recounted the story. This is the personal inside info, I guess. But when I was working for the FBI in April of 2022, sitting in the office of my supervisor, I had another agent who was assigned to national security matters walk in and not know anything about the Hunter Biden laptop, had never heard of it two years after it had been public. It was totally news to him. And he wanted to know, did this just get released? And that shows you the pervasiveness of censorship. It shows you the pervasiveness of sort of the willful ignorance that happens with the people that are supposed to be doing the right thing. One hand is over here doing the wrong thing involved in the censorship. And the other hand is doing the good, the good American thing, which is what I always call the, uh, the analogous piece when you start following through and acting like the Nazis did, which is to say that you did your job, you followed orders and you didn't question anything. We had a lot of good Americans in this country in 2020 and 2021 that did the thing, um, allowed these mechanisms to take place. They didn't ask those relevant questions. And many people are still not asking those questions within the federal service. That's really scary stuff. I'm going to play this piece from Josh Howley. This guy is the former deputy chief of staff for the FBI, one of the top five guys in the bureau. 
and he will not answer questions about the Hunter Biden laptop. If you'll bring up uh, video number eight real quick, it uh, starts at, I think, 12 seconds in. It's a, it's a short video. Uh, she asked you if you participated in any meetings at all related to the Hunter Biden laptop. Was that a yes or a no? Uh, Senator, uh, as a Department of Justice employee bound by Section 1-7 of the Justice Manual, as well as a uh, judicial nominee, it's it's not appropriate for me, uh, and I'm I'm bound not why, to wait, talk wait, about it. Wait, 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 why why isn't it appropriate for you? It, is a judicial nominee? Does this have anything to do with any any case that you have, right? I'm asking you what you did in your former employment as the deputy chief of staff to the FBI director. Did you participate in any meetings related to the Hunter Biden laptop? Senator, uh, again, um, as a, a Department of Justice... It sounds like you're not going to answer me. Is this going to be a... <laughs> we I'm can not going right to answer there. you. This goes deal. on for minutes. So, folks, um, a shameless plug here for Ryan Matta. If you go to Ryan Matta Media, at Ryan Matta Media on Twitter, you can see a lot of these videos in longer form. You can play them for your friends. You can share them around, and we'd appreciate it if you did. Um, you'll see that he's got his banner on there. He's also got his show on LFA TV, LFA TV here on Rumble. You can watch him there. He comes on at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Did I get the time right? I feel like that's right. 2 o'clock Eastern? Sir, yes, sir. Yeah, there it is. So come check out Ryan at that time. Um, this is yet another DOJ FBI official who is refusing to answer simple questions, doing the thing that they are required to do. Imagine any of you, imagine going for a job interview that you're not guaranteed to get and sitting down. And when someone asks you about your previous employment, refusing by citing some gobbledygook like that guy just did. It's just, it's shocking. The arrogance and uh, the impotence to go on there and just refuse to answer simple questions. But it leads you to exactly what happened. The FBI interfered in the 2020 election in no uncertain terms. It was not a free and fair election because our government weighed in on it. And as Ms. Morris just said in the testimony that you just heard, she specifically stated that, uh, and there's, there's longer videos of this where she talks about the, the polls, but essentially 61% of Democrats said that they might've voted differently had they known about all this stuff going on with Hunter Biden. Now here's the real smoking gun. Because Chuck Grassley has released the uh, very slightly redacted version of the 1023 source document from an FBI informant from June of 2020, before the election. And on the third page of that document, and we don't have to bring it up, we can just, I'll, I'll refer you to Chuck Grassley's Twitter page, and it's going to be on mine. There it is. The third page there brings up one very specific piece. And what it says is, in, in air quotes, the big guy. They refer to Joe Biden as the big guy. The exact same thing that we see on the Hunter Biden laptop in the descriptions of how he was going to get, in, get money from a Chinese energy company. The question that I always had was this. Did they use the term big guy because that's what Marjorie Taylor Greene wanted to say when she was out there talking in front of people? Because that's what we've decided to call Joe Biden? Or was it actually a quote from the CHS? That would be independent cooperation, in my opinion. Two different unrelated sources. One first person, Hunter Biden and his laptop, which has been independently verified as being legit. And the second is this document that is contemporaneously describing a, a bribery scheme by a former Burisma official, or Ukrainian, coming in using the exact same term, which tells you that that is the term being used by Hunter Biden in these schemes. Okay, that's how he gathered money. And it's not surprising to anybody watching this, but it should be shocking that we were hiding this stuff and that the FBI was 100% involved in it. All this stuff is nauseating. This is the trouble with censorship. If you don't give the American people the information, they're going to make bad decisions. They're not going to be able to make the right decisions. They won't be able to make their own decisions. And that's what this country is founded on. The right to make your own decisions with whatever information you want. You want to vaccinate your kids? Do it. You should have the information available to you. You want to uh, vote for a president? You should know what he's all about. If you want to do any of these things, 
It's 100% reliant on our ability to make informed consent. And we talked about that on some other places. I, I continue to bring it up. You can't make informed consent if you don't have the information. And that's what our government has been involved in hiding in a big way. I think we're out of time for today. I want to say uh, a couple quick things here. You've been listening to The Kyle Serafin Show streamed live from Liberty Hill, Texas. That's where we are. We're here in Texas, America. All right. Uh, don't forget to like this video on Rumble. If you are sitting in the live chat, we've had a couple hundred of you out there watching this thing live. We love that. Uh, these videos are getting more and more views. So share them around on your favorite social media platform. And um, I know that we do have some people to thank. The first one is you. You, the listener. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. The show continues to grow because of y'all and because of the five-star reviews like this one. We got a fun one today. Uh, we've got more than 600 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So please get on there and we will read the good ones here. Here's one that came in Monday from Zeb Prox. It says, a real patriot, Kyle put it all on the line to uphold his oath to the Constitution. We were just talking about that oath. He's been attacked by the left incessantly and has not backed down. I'd like to see a guy like Kyle in the White House in some capacity. How about FBI director? Uh, as my buddy Phil Kennedy has said, uh, I'm overqualified for that when it comes to uh, scruples. But I do appreciate the sentiment. We do really appreciate it. Folks, you can get your five-star review read if you go and put them on Apple. The link is in the show notes. So by all means, put it on there. I want to say thanks to Steve Friend for jumping on. Please check out his book on Amazon. It's called True Blue. And uh, again, this show is only possible because the hard work and the skill of technical producer Ryan Matta. Follow Ryan at Ryan Matta Media on Twitter. You can find him at Ryan Matta on True Social if you like that better. He's been putting out some great videos. And again, our opening theme, composed and performed by the very talented Casey Serafin, my younger brother, a great guy. Uh, folks, please consider subscribing to Rumble if you're not doing it or wherever you get your podcasts so you get them fresh and hot every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 8.30 Central Time, 9.30 Eastern Time. We will see you again after the weekend. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash kyleserafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.